Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I am your host, Benjamin Wargel, the Wisconsin football and men's basketball beat writer for the Rivals.com network. And it looks like we're going to have games in both categories this weekend for Wisconsin, a novel concept, because as of this taping, Wisconsin football is scheduled to face number 10 Indiana at Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday. Nothing has been postponed in the football department. And tonight, Wisconsin basketball, fourth ranked in the country, is taking on Marquette in Milwaukee in the I-94 annual showdown. That game also has not been postponed. A novel concept. It's like we're back in 2019 when scheduled sporting events happen as they're scheduled. We're going to talk about both those big games uh, in this show. We're going to hear from Brad Davison, Wisconsin senior guard, who has been tremendous for the Badgers from a defensive standpoint. Wisconsin 3-0 after their relatively easy win over Green Bay earlier this week on Tuesday. And Wisconsin football taking on number 10, Indiana. We're going to hear from Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz, who met with the media earlier this week. And that's where we want to start. We want to start with Wisconsin football Badgers are number 18 in the AP poll, number 16 in the college football playoff rankings, trying to claw their way up the chart, and they're going to have a chance for a signature win here uh, Saturday afternoon, tomorrow afternoon, 2.30 p.m. kickoff against number 10, Indiana. Indiana's going to look a little bit different than the team that we've seen here over the course of this season. Michael Penix Jr., their very talented quarterback who leads the Big Ten in passing yards and completions and passing touchdowns is done for the season towards ACL against Maryland. So Jack Tuttle, a former Wisconsin recruiting target, is going to make the start. He has played very, very little for Indiana. He was uh, five for five for about 30 plus yards on Saturday. Indiana is coming off uh, a good win against Maryland. The big thing that we saw from the Hoosiers is that they were willing to run the ball a little bit Terrapins are last in the league against the run, 228.8 yards per game, and Indiana took advantage. Indiana, one of the worst rushing teams in the conference, or actually in the country going into the game. They rushed 48 times for 248 and three touchdowns in a 27-11 victory. Hoosiers' only loss this year was a seven-point setback against Ohio State, and Ohio State is going to try to play a game this weekend after being canceled last weekend. They're going to try to play Michigan State uh, here tomorrow uh, as well. Indiana, very talented from a receiving standpoint. They have some of the best wide receiver uh, in the Big Ten, especially the best wide receiving duo. Uh, Ty Freifogel and Watt Fylor are their their two guys that have caught at least 30 passes. They have a good tight end and Peyton Hendershot, who is third on the team and catches with 20. Defensively, it's a very, very solid unit, and that's the big thing that Indiana has turned around here over the course of the last several years. Indiana has always kind of leaked like a sieve defensively. That's probably one of the things that held them back last year when they went 8-5. and five. The Hoosiers gave up 51 points to Ohio State, 40 to Michigan State, 34 to Penn State, 39 to Michigan, and 41 to Purdue in double overtime kind of wiped out a lot of the good things they did offensively. Now, a year later, the Hoosiers have given up more than 21 points just twice in their six games. You know, they're still not a stalwart unit. They still give up over 360 yards of total offense, uh, rush defense, 135 yards per game. But the big thing with Indiana is they get pressure on opposing offenses. Indiana league best 20 sacks. That puts them top 15 nationally. They average 6.3 tackles per loss uh, a game. They have a very good middle linebacker in uh, Micah McFadden, who leads defense in total and solo tackles. 
tackles for loss. He also has three sacks and two picks. And interceptions is kind of the name of the game with this group. Indiana ranks first nationally in interceptions with 16, and they're tied for fifth in takeaways with 18. You break it down, Indiana has registered three interceptions in three straight games and are averaging an interception every 12.3 pass attempts. That's a little daunting for Wisconsin, considering Graham Mertz in his last time out a couple weekends ago against Northwestern threw three picks and fumbled once in what was an ugly 17-7 loss for the Badgers at Ryan Field, a loss that pretty much has knocked them out of the Big Ten West title. Now, Wisconsin, in theory, could claw their way back in. Northwestern is not playing this weekend, and Northwestern lost last weekend to Michigan State. If Northwestern loses against Illinois next weekend, Wisconsin can win their final two games. The Badgers can sneak their way back into the Big Ten title game. Possible? Yes. Likely? Eh, you never know in the COVID world that we currently live in. Wisconsin is trying to improve in a lot of different areas, especially on offense, not just Graham Mertz, but the passing game. Uh, the receiving game really struggled without Kendrick Pryor and Danny Davis in the fold. Kendrick Pryor has told the media this week he is going to play. He expects to play. Danny Davis seems doubtful for the game, hasn't practiced much. Paul Chris alluded to that he is getting better, doing a little bit more each day and feeling good. Still not a lot of practice time for Davis, so more Chimery DK, Jack Dunn, Adam Krumholtz, and a, quite a bit of Garrett Groshek out of the backfield and Jake Ferguson, the tight end. Wisconsin also, we heard, is going to get Jack Cohn dressed and will be available uh, tomorrow. Cohn has not played this season after uh, having foot surgery at the beginning of October, so he's been out for almost uh, two months. So Cohn will be back, assuming Graham Mertz will start, but wouldn't be surprised if we see both players play a little bit on Saturday afternoon. You look at the other thing with Indiana, we don't quite know how this offense is going to shape up with a new quarterback, and there's very little film on Jack Tuttle. But we do know that, again, very good wide receiving core, and that the running game, which we talked about a little bit just a couple minutes ago, has really picked up last week against Maryland. And part of that, too, was running a little bit more out of the Wildcat with featured tailback Stevie Scott and the kick returner slash running back David Ellis. You look at uh, Ellis, six foot 213, just three times for 19 yards out of the package, but Scott, who's kind of the, the power back, 6'2", 231, uh, just 13 yards on six carries, but three of those runs were touchdowns of three, one, and two yards. So the short yard situation really, really hammered home uh, a, a good uh, supplement to what Jack Tuttle and the offense is going to try to do. So this is going to be a good test for Wisconsin defensively. Uh, Wisconsin hasn't really played an offense that has had a lot of dynamic weapons to it, at least as many versatile weapons as this Indiana team does. Indiana is going to push Wisconsin from an offensive standpoint. They're averaging 381.7 yards per game, you know, just ninth in the conference, but still they put up a lot of points. Indiana's third in the conference and scoring at 32.8, just about uh, 0.9 points behind Wisconsin, although Indiana's played three more games. How they're going to look is going to be kind of a complete mystery a little bit because FedEx was such a huge part of that offense, but with those wide receivers and those tight ends, it's going to be interesting. Uh, you look at the secondary for Wisconsin, no Richard Wild Goose anymore. He had a season ending injury against Northwestern, then decided to declare for the NFL draft. Uh, Fan Hicks has played a little bit more in the slot, in the nickel spot as a corner. So that's going to be an important thing to watch. We're going to see plenty of Caesar Williams, uh, a little bit more of Samar Melvin, probably, a little bit of Dante Burton. Those two players have played a little bit. 
but certainly they're going to play a lot here over the course of the final uh, two regular season games for Wisconsin. Then the Week 9 game, assuming they're going to play that, and then you know possibly a bowl game for the Badgers too. So this is going to be good from a development standpoint for those two young players kind of moving into next season, assuming Caesar Williams does not return from his free year of playing football. Wisconsin's front is going to need to put pressure. Wisconsin has not developed a lot of sacks this season, just five. That's worse than the Big Ten. Of course, Wisconsin's only played three games. Need to put some pressure on Jack Tuttle to try to get the turnovers going in Wisconsin's favor, something they really weren't able to do against uh, Peyton Ramsey against Northwestern a couple weeks ago. Offensively, though, that's going to be the big key. That's going to be my main question going into this game. How will Graham Mertz handle the pressure that Indiana is going to put on him? Not just from a front standpoint, but from a secondary standpoint when they have so many ball hawks on that defense. They have a number of guys that have multiple interceptions this season. You look at where Indiana has really gone off to their 5-1 start. It's those guys flipping field position and being able to kind of take advantage of young quarterbacks. Graham Mertz admitted that the game plan for Northwestern was good, that the opportunities were there, just didn't take advantage of them. Didn't go through his progressions, rushed his throws, were off on some of his throws, bad setting with his feet. All things that he feels can be corrected and things that he is going to try to learn from and put behind him as he transitions into this very tough test Saturday afternoon at Camp Randall Stadium. Here's Graham Mertz in an interview with the media earlier this week, talking about those challenges ahead of him. Hey, Graham, I know, I know it's been a while since you faced Northwestern, but that was obviously a really good defense that excelled at taking the ball away. Indiana is even better than that when it comes to interceptions. I'm not sure how much tape you've broken down, but from what you've seen of them, what makes them so dangerous for a quarterback when you're trying to hit receivers down the field? Yeah, I mean, I think they do, looking back at, uh, go back to the Northwestern game, it just comes down to execution and uh, really just knowing what you're going to do and how you're going to attack them and their defensive scheme. And then uh, this week, it's the same thing. I mean, they love uh, their physical, fast defense, loves the pressure, and then they're great cover down teams. So for us, it's just knowing when we're hot and uh, just playing a great game offensively. Graham, I know it's been kind of a stop and start year. I haven't been able to get a ton of rhythm um, uh, with different position groups, but how have you seen the line in front of you start to gel a little bit? Because I know they've had some guys in and out, but uh, a lot of experience up there, and it seems like they're doing pretty well even without the challenges they're facing. Yeah, those are my guys. They're uh, they're doing great, and um, mentally they're locked in every week, and uh, they, they just keep getting better. They keep getting smarter, keep getting better, and keep playing together as one. And um, I think that just goes to show Wisconsin offensive linemen and the work that uh, Coach Rudy's doing with them. Like they're tuned in, they're dialed in every week, and they, they know they know their job and they they execute it. And uh, proud of those guys and love them, love them to death. Going forward, the rest of the season, what do you kind of use as y'all's motivation now that the division is probably out of is probably out of reach, not quite mathematically, but mm -hmm. what do y'all use as your motivation for these next two games going forward? Yeah, I mean, for me, this this past week, just having our, our last game be canceled and obviously being the Axe week, it was it was just trying to figure out how to handle it and how to approach the rest of the season. And it's it's kind of ironic being on Thanksgiving. It's just you just got to be thankful for uh, the situation we're in right now and have an opportunity to play with each other and play for each other and uh, have fun playing the game that you you played your entire life. So for us, it's it's not hard to find motivation. I mean, we're doing what we love every day, and uh, we're just. Just right now, it's being thankful for the opportunity we got. And uh, I, th I think that's all you need. 
Graham, circling back on that first question a bit, I know you mentioned execution. What is it that you think you learned from the Northwestern game that you want to execute better come this game against Indiana? Yeah, I learned a bunch. And uh, for me, I'm, I'm proud of how I how I attacked that and learned from it and uh, just working with the coaches and really really breaking it down and just seeing, all right, where, where can we work on it? And for me, the big thing was timing and how I can play with better timing and really just work the progressions and be confident in the progression and know that, I got something back there that's that's going to pop open for me. So uh, for me, it's time my time my feet and my eyes together, and really just playing with great timing. And um, I think it's been a great week and a half working from that learning experience. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to keep working this week. This is kind of a really specific question, but I'm I'm assuming you want to the rematch or the makeup game with Minnesota. You want to play as much as you can, but can you think of any teammates or older guys on the team who want that game? even more for some specific reason, just because it's been such a weird year and all the different things you're playing for. But maybe there's a guy that you know, or a couple of guys, for some reason, they, they really want that Minnesota game either to get more of their stuff on tape for the NFL or whatever. Any extra motivation if for that to possibly happen? Yeah, I mean, I think it's, a, it's an entire university thing. And every year we, we love to send the seniors off with a win like that. And uh, it's when, when you go through a... Uh, a career here that's you always always send up the seniors like that so it's kind of like the last thing you want to do and uh or one of the last things you want to do obviously but um i think for us it's just being grateful for the week that we got and uh just attacking it week by week because that's that's how it's been every every week this year so obviously we, we'd love to play i mean uh really whatever team comes up for us we'd love to play it but obviously that's a that's a special one for everybody just uh i think for the entire state of wisconsin too when it comes to Indiana's defense, you know, 16 interceptions so far, 18 total takeaways. You know, what are you seeing per, per chance with the secondary in terms of the coverages that they play that, that has thrown opposing teams off from what you've seen so far? But also, they have, you know, 20 sacks in six games. What type of pressures are you seeing up front? Yeah, I mean, first off, I think I think they feed off each other. I think they do a great job of getting to the quarterback, and um, obviously we got to have a great plan for that. But um, they do a great job of hiding some – holding their blitzes and then bringing them post snaps. So for us, it's just trying to find those little things to identify it. And then, um, but they, they do a great job. They bring uh, just two off the edge and they'll bring just single, single dogs every single, or pretty much every single play. So for us, it's just going to be picking those up. And uh, I think that a majority of their interceptions and, and their uh, turnovers have been due to the uh, quarterback getting pressure and um, just trying to get it off. So that's obviously a big emphasis this week and something that's a, it's a fun challenge. Graham, the first time we talked to you this year, you called yourself a sponge when it comes to the film room. Uh, can you put a number on how much, how many hours a week maybe you're spending watching film, and did it change, you know, this past week coming off that Northwestern game? Um, I try to – it's a lot. Uh, <laughs> I try to keep it the same every day, or mostly every day. I think there's – it's like you know what it's like having like a cheat code for a video game. That's that's what I picture like. Like the more you can watch, the better it is. So uh, for me, it's it's up there every day. Um, I don't know if I could put like a direct number on it, but I'd probably say like close to five six hours a day of watching film. But um, that's uh, that's what a quarterback has to do, and something that uh, I that's one part of the game I love, and um, might be a little crazy saying that number now that I think about it but that's that's the reality of it and uh it's how, how can you how can you make yourself better when you're not taking a rep on the field and that's that's mental reps and that's the uh 
think that's a big thing for a quarterback in development. Then again, Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz, you can tell that he's upbeat. Certainly he's not dwelling over the fact that he hasn't played since that ugly showing in Evanston, Illinois. And certainly you look at his approach to it. I mean, five to six hours of film a day. We've talked to some players about that in the course of the week since Mertz made those comments, and they just chuckle and say that they don't come anywhere near that time in the film room. And they credit Mertz for putting in the work and putting in the effort to figure out how to get better and how to make the offense better. And Mertz is kind of one of those guys that's always in a positive mood. He reminds me a little bit of Brad Davison, who we're going to hear from a little bit. Mertz always is looking at the bright spot that he can learn from. Make a little bit too like Russell Wilson. Russell was the same way when he was here so many years ago. Always spinning it in a positive way to learn from and to grow from. And that's going to be the big key. That's going to be probably my main concern, my biggest thing to watch in this game. How will Mertz handle going against Indiana defense that, in my opinion, is better overall than the defense he struggled against a couple weekends ago? This matchup between Wisconsin and Indiana, just the second where both Bulls will be ranked. The only other matchup happened in 1994. Number 16, Wisconsin blasted number 25, Indiana, 62-13. Indiana was ranked in the top 10 only once in all their years playing Wisconsin. That was back in 1967. The Hoosiers beat an unranked Wisconsin team 14-9 in Bloomington. Badgers have won 10 straight over Indiana. That matches the third longest active streak by a Big Ten team over a conference foe. Ohio State has won 25 straight over Indiana. And Wisconsin has won 14 straight over Purdue. Ohio State has also won 10 straight over the Gophers. Wisconsin's 10-game winning streak versus Indiana is the Badgers' fourth longest run of success against a conference opponent all time. You guessed it, the longest, Purdue. And that 14-game win streak over Minnesota that ended unceremoniously back in 2018. Including this Saturday, tomorrow, the Badgers have been ranked in six of their last seven meetings with Indiana, winning each of the previous five matchups, including the last matchup between these two schools back in 2017. Wisconsin was ranked fourth in the country, and they won 45-17 to in Bloomington. A lot of blowouts here recently for Wisconsin. You go back to the recent ones, 2013, 51-3, 2012-62-14, uh, 2011, 59-7, 2010, 83-20. The closest game in this series is all the way back in 09, 31-28 in Bloomington. So Wisconsin has controlled this series. They've dominated this series. Oh, this is a much different Indiana team. Tom Allen has these guys playing very, very well, and this should be a very good matchup Saturday afternoon. Uh, where this puts Wisconsin, if they win on Saturday, well, it certainly keeps them in in the thought of the Big Ten West Championship. There's a lot of games that are canceled this weekend. Michigan is not playing because of COVID. Minnesota's not playing because of COVID. There's a chance that Ohio State and Michigan State won't play because of COVID. So, again, the Big Ten's decision to try to play nine games in nine weeks looking very, very foolish as conference games are being canceled instead of postponed and rescheduled, including the longest rivalry in college football with Wisconsin-Minnesota. Maybe, just maybe, if Wisconsin can't backdoor themselves into Indianapolis, we can see the Badgers and the Gophers playing on December 19th in Madison instead of Wisconsin possibly playing Maryland or Indiana again in the Big Ten second-place game as it is. 
You are listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Transitioning now to the hardwood, Wisconsin basketball is off to a terrific start this season, and they play their I-94 rivalry against Marquette tonight at Pfizer Forum. This is the first road game for Wisconsin this season, although it's going to be vastly different, just like the games at the Kohl Center. There's going to be no fans at Pfizer Forum. No media is being allowed in either. So just like you guys, I'll be watching from my home television set tonight as Wisconsin Tries to make it two in a row over the Golden Eagles. The Badgers are playing fantastic basketball right now. You look at the game that we saw on Tuesday night, or a slow start a little bit for the Badgers, but they eventually pushed, put it all together and dominated Green Bay uh, under Will Ryan. Bo Ryan's son made a return at the Kohl Center. It was very unceremonious. 82-42 was the final. Five Badgers in double figures, scoring between 14 and 10 points. A lot of good contribution off the bench. With Tyler Wall, his first career double-double, 11 points, 15 rebounds. A career-high 15 rebounds, as it is, too. He was just all over the place in the first half. Really like what Wisconsin's gained from freshman Jonathan Davis, Johnny Davis, and Ben Carlson. Both players are playing considerable minutes early on for Greg Gard. Carlson played about just over 16 minutes, had four points. Johnny Davis played almost 20 minutes, didn't shoot all that well, just one for four and two points, but five rebounds, too. He is fearless when he's out there. Wisconsin was plus 23 when he was on the floor on Tuesday night. The Badgers held Green Bay to just 28% shooting, 17% from three-point range. It was just tremendous their defense, and it was kind of a little bit of an auspicious start a little bit for Wisconsin. There wasn't that much energy on the floor. They were really kind of lackadaisical, and then Tyler Wall came in and just went on a tear, just rebound after rebound after rebound, and really just kind of turned that game around, and Wisconsin just went on this long, sustained run to really put any type of separation, all the separation they really needed to beat Green Bay. I mean, Wisconsin just shot 45% in the first half, and yet they still led by 22 points. Uh, Demetri Trice, just two of six shooting, four points, but five assists, no turnovers. Through three games this year, he has 13 assists and no turnovers. He is playing tremendous from the point guard spot, and that's really all they need him to do. I mean, Wisconsin's probably not going to be a team that's going to have someone go off for 20 or 30 on a nightly basis. They're going to have that balanced scoring because of the depth that they have. Remember, this team returns everyone from last year, with the exception of Brevin Pritzel and Kobe King, who left with about 10 games left in the season, then Wisconsin went on a tear without him. So you look at where this team is right now, defensively has been their calling card for ages, and it continues to be that way. Wisconsin opponents this year are just shooting 32.4% from the field. And Wisconsin three-point range is still a big deal to them. It was 9 of 20 from three-point range for Wisconsin. On the season, they're shooting just a shade under 42%, but out-rebounding Green Bay 42-25. That's the largest rebounding margin the team has had uh, since 2019, March of 2019. Also 42-22 in the paint. I mentioned Wall, Potter, and Reavers. Brad Davison, 10 points. Brad Davison has been sneaky over the course of his career from a scoring perspective. He is now 39th on UW's all-time scoring list. 1,073 points. He's two points away from Captain America, Josh Gosser, on the list. So basically, through three games against three mid-major schools, Wisconsin has taken care of business, and they have risen to number four in the country. That's their highest rating in five years since entering the 2015 NCAA tournament. That run turned out pretty well for the Badgers, all the way to Indianapolis and the NCAA title game. And we haven't seen them outside their comfort zone yet, and I think tonight we'll kind of put them outside their comfort zone just a little bit. Marquette 
is a team that's going to test Wisconsin in a lot of ways. Marquette did not look that great against Oklahoma State earlier this week. Typically, Marquette does not play a very tough non-conference schedule, and they have not left the friendly confines of Pfizer Forum yet. But tonight, 17,500-seat arena will be empty of fans on both sides of this rivalry. And you look at where the breakdowns are of the front court against Wisconsin's front court. You like the fact that the Badgers have three seniors in Reavers, Potter, and Ford, and Marquette has a senior center in Theo John and a senior forward in Jamal Kane, but a freshman forward in Dawson Garcia, a very highly ranked recruit. But Garcia just two for eight, sat for a long stretch of the second half against Oklahoma State. John, six turnovers against the Cowboys. And you look at Kane, Kane played pretty well, 13 points and 13 rebounds. But you look at where Reavers and Potter and Ford have been, the advantage certainly is Wisconsin in the front court. The backcourt for the Badgers, Trice and Davison. And then for Marquette, senior guard Kobe McGowan and sophomore guard Simon Torrance. Torrance and McGowan, 19 assists and 12 turnovers through three games. Torrance is 0 for 7 on three-pointers. Trice, 71 minutes, like I said, yet to have a turnover. And Davison, who has played tremendous defense, I think, to this point this year, just four fouls over three games, and he really has been a thorn in a lot of the uh, sides of the players, players that he has played against. Wisconsin's bench, I kind of mentioned him early, with a couple of freshmen and Davis and Carlson. Wall, who's coming off the double-double. And senior guard Trevor Anderson, too, has been giving a lot of really good hustle plays. He's been really steady for Wisconsin. He's able to get in there and give Gregard a different look from a matchup perspective. And they can Badgers can kind of move things around. They can kind of adjust to what Marquette and what other schools are doing. Uh, Green Bay went to a very smaller lineup. Wisconsin was able to counter. And Wisconsin's also had some really good moments with both Potter and Reavers on the floor, something that the Badgers weren't able to do very much of last year. Uh, Carton, people will remember, DJ Carton is someone that Wisconsin went very strong after. Badgers felt like in a pretty good spot for him throughout his recruiting process, but Carton had a top six list that he narrowed down. He eventually committed to Ohio State. That didn't work out. Had some off-the-field, off-the-court issues, some health issues mental health issues, and he is now playing at Marquette. He's still kind of knocking off the rust a little bit. And Greg Elliott's another one off the bench for Marquette. He's still kind of working his way off uh, from off-season ankle surgery. Uh, probably Justin Lewis is the, the most potent weapon off the bench for the Golden Eagles, uh, 13 rebounds against Oklahoma State. So kind of a, a kind of a coin flip at that spot there. But I do like Mark, uh, Wisconsin's edge there just based on what we've seen from Tyler Wall and the energy that he's able to bring. Uh, you look at, again, both these teams are very efficient defensively to the early part of the season. Both are in the top six, according to Ken Palm, in an effective field goal defense. But Wisconsin, just so much depth, so much experience, uh, Wisconsin, 24 turnovers over three games. Marquette had that many against Oklahoma State. So the Badgers are playing better. Marquette is coming off their first loss of the year. We'll have to see how the Golden Eagles are going to respond. But this is such a big game. It always is in terms of in-state basketball, in terms of the, the bragging rights for the year. And for Wisconsin, though, it's another chance to get better. And that's one of the things that Brad Davison talked about with the media on Thursday First off, how weird it's going to be to go into Pfizer Forum and not have 17,000 people cheering against you. Definitely different. I think that's kind of the word of the year is different. Not going to say better or worse, um, but it's definitely been different. You know, I think as you, when you think about a home game, you got a lot of people supporting you. Um, you know, when things might not be going well, you can get some 
extra juice or some extra support or when things are going really well, you really can kind of ride a momentum wave and get the crowd into it. Um, so we don't have that to rely on right now. So we got to get the got to get energy from within, so whether that's from encouragement from one another, communication on the first or making energy plays that ultimately give us a little shot in the arm and get us going. Um, so we haven't had a road game experience yet. Um, you know, I think going at Marquette, which is usually, you know, a really big game sold out in the Pfizer a couple of years ago, again, that we all look forward to, but that would be different. Um, but the job is still the same. You know, we got to manufacture our own energy. We got to try to come out faster than we did against Green Bay and just get better each day. Better with execution, but also one of the challenges this year is just better with bringing our own energy. Um, so it's definitely a unique challenge for us. Um, but being a veteran group, you know, we've come up with a few different ways and ideas that we can uh, get going early. I don't know if you had a chance to watch any of the NBA games in the bubble, but they really struggled to generate or manufacture that energy. What they would have to do is it would be on defense, um, get a charge or some kind of play like that. Can you maybe, quote-unquote, read the room a little bit, and if you need to pick your team up as a, as a veteran guy, will you maybe make a, an aggressive play or something even just to spark that energy if you need to? Absolutely. Absolutely. comes to the territory. Um, whether you're a veteran guy or you're a young guy, if you're on the floor, you know, that's your responsibility to bring energy. Um, so if the team's lacking maybe in certain areas, you got to pick it up, and you got to pick it up from one another and have each other's back. Um, you know, I think it's one thing to pick it up in games, but that's got to be an everyday thing in practice too. Practices are very similar to games these days. You know, we're in the cold center. There's not, there's no nobody there. There's no fans. We still have to generate that same energy in practice. Um, so we gotta, um, you know, whether it's in a game or practice, you always got to be alert and you always got to be on the lookout for those opportunities um, to create energy and get your team going. Hey Brad, um, a couple of questions for you, but what have you seen from Marquette through film so far this season and also a lot of seniors on this team, how bad do you guys want to come away with a win against your in-state rival for the last time? You know, we're excited. And, you know, as seniors, the senior group, we know that we're one and two in our time here except for my class, so we definitely want to get that to two and two. Um, but, you know, I've actually got to watch all three of Marquette's games. Um, very talented team. Look a little different than last year. Um, with the absence of Marcus Howard and Sakarian at their guard spots. Um, but very athletic, love to get out in transition, love to get easy buckets. Um, they play great defense, so really talented team, well-coached team. Um, you know, it's going to be a good competitive um, good competitive opportunity for us to get better, an opportunity for us to execute in a road game against a you know really talented team. Um, so it's going to be a tough one, but we're looking forward to it. How would you describe this rivalry? Like, how does it compare to maybe some of your big, big, some of the Big Ten rivalries? How is it different? Yeah, I think there's something about the Big Ten rivalries is those games you're competing for a championship. You're competing in the Big Ten race. You're competing for a for a seed. You're competing for a Big Ten title. Um, so that's not necessarily what the mindset is with this game. This is kind of an opportunity to get better and to measure up and to see where you're at with other teams across the country. Um, but especially this early in the year, it's an opportunity for us to be better than we were the day before. Um, you know, I think that's the one thing that we've done really well at this year is just taking things, taking games one day at a time. Um, and so playing Marquette's no different. We just want to go out there and we want to be better than the Wisconsin team we were yesterday. Um, and, you know, it does add a little more juice to it because we are in state. Um, so, you know, the fans get really wild up about it. But for us, it's another game. and We're going to go out there and execute um, and be better than we were yesterday. You know, you look at one of your, you know, teammates, friends in the backcourt with, with Demetri Trice, just efficient with dishing out the ball for assists, but also no turnovers. Just how have you seen him develop, you know, this season? I know it's only three games in, but just how have you seen him evolve and, and take, you know, ownership this season? He's been playing great, you know, extremely confident with the ball in his hands and off the ball. 
Um, you know, we've all had a lot of experience. We've played a lot of minutes, so we know um, what spots we want to get to. We know what spots each other are really good at. And I think he's done a great job of, you know, as you said, being efficient with the ball and being efficient with the shots, but really just running the team on the offensive end, getting people where they need to go and, um, you know, making us look like a well-oiled machine. Um, so he's been great, and I expect nothing less for him to keep that going. Brad, you mentioned guys, you know, needing to take advantage and, and provide energy. Could you feel on the court the other day when Tyler Wall sparked you? What was the change like that you felt on the court when he made all those plays in the first half? Absolutely. You know, he came in off the bench and gave us a little jolt that we needed. And it wasn't necessarily in scoring right away. It was in getting steals, getting rebounds, getting offensive rebounds. And then, you know, as the game went on, he got the ball to go to the bottom of the hoop, too. You know, the thing with Tyler is... Even in, when he does make mistakes or maybe a travel here and there, because he's being aggressive and he's trying to make things happen and he's running around. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a teammate and as a coaching staff and whatnot, we, that's the, those are the mistakes you want. That's the type of player you want to play with. Someone's out there trying to um, do whatever they can to help the team win and do all the little things. Um, so he's been great for us. You know, he's a great option for us off the bench uh, to give us that little jolt in the arm when we need it. Brad, it's pretty rare for freshmen to come in and, and look comfortable early. It usually takes some time to adapt. I think you were one of the rare ones when you were a freshman like 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> Long time ago. Right. Uh, but I do think that Johnny and Ben certainly looked the part in, in terms of comfort out there early in their careers. Did you see that right away when they got here? And why do you think that is, I guess, that they've been so um, comfortable on the court? Definitely. You know, I think that's on, um, you know, there's definitely is a hurdle and there's a big obstacle coming, making the transition from high school to college. Um, but they've done a great job. You know, that started in the fall as soon as our whole team got here. You know, they were extremely aggressive. They were confident. They've had a lot of uh, seniors in their ears making sure that they stay motivated and stay confident and make sure that, um, you know, it's not necessarily about how many points they score, but there's a lot of different ways that they can impact the game and show value. And so we're always on them for that, to do those little things, get rebounds, take charges, out on the floor, do all those things that, you know, I just heard Ben say, "Don't stay up, don't show up in the statue." We use that quite a bit, um, and they're they're doing a great job. They're doing a great job, um, and they're going to have games where they, you know, really help us in the scoring column. And they're going to really have games where they just really help us, just their presence and their energy and their ability to, you know, make things happen, whether they have the ball in their hands or not. So they've they've done great for us, and um, you know, glad they're on our team. That was Brad Davison talking with the media, and he will end our podcast. For this week, for all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. Follow me on Twitter, the Badger Nation, for everything this weekend. A big 36 hours for Wisconsin. I'll have it all covered for you from Wisconsin Marquette, from my couch in Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, to Wisconsin, Indiana, from the press box, a chili press box in Madison on Saturday afternoon. I'll get all that taken care of for you. And then, obviously, follow us, Badger Blitz, on Twitter at Badger underscore blitz we'll be back with you next week we'll recap wisconsin basketball we'll recap what's going on with greg guard's crew and we'll get you set for wisconsin and iowa from connect stadium in iowa city in the regular season finale for both teams until then have a great weekend get your christmas shopping done hopefully everyone is staying safe out there and thanks again for listening to the badgerblitz.com podcast